We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. If you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe, hit that like button. Of course, on the audio side, uh, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. It really helps us continue to grow this show. Today is Tuesday, June 27th. Well, at least when you're listening to this anyway. I am joined for a second time now by uh, one of my favorite under-the-radar podcasters from one of my favorite under-the-radar podcasts out there, PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I uh, had a long weekend. I uh, took a three-day weekend and went up to one of the Finger Lakes with a bunch of friends and everything, rented an Airbnb. So uh had a, uh, How was it? It was it was very fun, very relaxing, but uh, some of those nights kind of kick your butt, so you got to re- recover the next morning. <laughs> I uh, I've never been to the Finger Lakes before. I'm embarrassed to say that. Um, I, I would imagine the scenery is really cool. I did spend the day in sa- or Saturday, I should say at least. Anyway, in Ellicottville, we had a a friend in from out of town from Texas, and. Uh, 20 of us got together, got a, got on a limo bus and made a whole day out of it. Went down to, uh, Ellicottville. Lots of fun. You gotta, you know, it's the early part of summer PK and you gotta, you gotta enjoy it when you can, but you also, when it gets to this time of year, do you start thinking about football and hockey and the seasons resuming? Like, do you spend a lot of time thinking about that or are you of the mindset to, the, the the quicker that comes, that means the quicker the nice weather is over. You know what I yeah, mean? It's kind of like a balance of strike. Right. It's kind of kind of tricky. You don't really want to wish your nice summer weather away, but sure. you're also getting that itch because we're big in fantasy football and stuff with my friends and stuff like that. So you're kind of counting the days until you can get back into that. But you're also looking outside and it's sunny from like, what, six o'clock until nine o'clock at night. You don't want those days to end where yeah. it starts getting dark at five o'clock again. But you also get that itch of, all right, football season's wrapping up or starting back up. You got hockey season starting back up and then you got lacrosse back in December. So it's kind of a nice blend, but it's also a nice off season where you can kind of take a break from all that. And then it kicks back off, what, the end of July, beginning of August. It just goes so quick. Oh man, right. in Buffalo, you 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 blink your eyes and it's gone. And I'll tell you, when you were young, how do you feel? Let me ask you this. And, and by the way, for everybody who, who's watching and listening again, thank you very much for, for locking in today. I'm going to have Anthony Marino on Wednesday. Big show at Imperial Pizza Live on Thursday night. Um, Sal Capaccio is going to be with me. Also scheduled, hopefully he'll be able to make it. There's some things going on, but hopefully Matt Bovey will be able to join us as well. But Sal will be there. For sure. So anyway, that is on Thursday night. Um, like growing up as a kid and maybe how you are now, are you like, what is your like favorite time of year weather-wise? Like, are you a summer guy? Like I'm a summer guy. I like the warm weather. I start to get a little of that seasonal depression as it gets colder. But I also know a lot of people who actually prefer the winter for various reasons. Like what, what what's your type of weather? I am fall. Definitely fall. Yeah. 
You get that hoodie, shorts weather. Love that. Summer around here is not too bad, but I get hot easy, and I don't like it. Um, I'm like a 72 to 75 with a nice breeze yeah. kind of guy, and that's about fall where, I mean, beginning of summer, you're still having to dress up a bit warm, like that end of May, early June. Spring is the worst season. I think we've said it on our podcast multiple times. I hate spring. That weather, the the rain nonstop. But I think that also might be because we have two dogs of our own and we foster a bunch of uh, rescues from Texas. Sure. Our backyard's a mud pit. And I think that factors into a bit of it because just trying to wipe off their feet every single time they come in and out, it's it's a nightmare. <laughs> We're going to be talking in just a few minutes here. we got some Bills talk today. I'm going to get your thoughts on some of the Stephon Diggs stuff, and I'm not talking about what already happened. That's kind of old news, but like looking forward now to training camp and into the regular season. I want to get some thoughts to you on that. Also, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, some actual Bills news last Friday. They both received contract extensions. And then on the Sabres side, we'll spend a few minutes talking about this today as well. It's a big week for the Sabres and for the whole, you know, for the whole league. You got the draft on Wednesday and Thursday, you got the start of free agency on Saturday. Um, so potentially, anyway, a, a big week for the Sabres. We'll get to that uh, in just a few minutes. And like I said, being your second time on the show, and this is kind of more of a a conversational podcast, just generally speaking. You know, I kind of like to spend a few minutes just chit-chatting, getting to know the people that are on the show with me instead of just straight, you know, 45, 50, 60 minutes or whatever, just straight sports talk. That's not really, uh, you know, so much what this show is all about. And by the way, to your point with the weather, I, I'm with you with the spring, but I would, I would also say the, uh, when it gets to be February, like I'm so like, I could deal with winter leading up to the holidays because you got something to look forward to Christmas, new year's, uh, you know, it being cold's fine. The snow's fine. It can almost be like, kind of like romantic in a way, you know what I mean? With the holidays. But once you get into like January, and then when you get into February, it's like, it's, I'm so over it. It feels like winter's never going to end in Buffalo. That's just, uh, <laughs> I'm just not built for winter. And I never was, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I think PK, when you get older, you start to hate the cold a little bit more and more each year as you get older. I, even when I was like, when you were a kid, did you like winter? Like I, even when I was a kid, man, you know, most kids love, you know, you build ice rinks in your pot in the backyard and you play, uh, you know, in the backyard ice hockey with your friends in the winter, or you build forts, or you go sledding, stuff like that. Even when I was a kid, I was not a fan of winter. Never. Uh, I don't think I really minded it. I got a younger brother, so we'd always play outside. Yeah. I'd go sledding. My dad used to actually take a snowblower in the backyard, make this giant hill in the back of the middle of the backyard just so we can sled. And I think all our night, our neighbors just thought we were insane because he was just snowblowing grass in the backyard. But I didn't mind it. I still don't really mind it. I'm one of those freaks that actually likes snowblowing. I find it satisfying <laughs> for some reason. Like I could go up and down my street nonstop like that. When the big storm happened in December, I was out in the street trying to plow ways for people to get in and out of their driveways all the time. I was probably out there for probably six or seven hours just having a good time. I don't mind it. But like you said, once January, February, and even sometimes March hits, it's kind of, okay, let's, let's get this done with. Let's move on kind of over it. It's, uh, but my parents hate it. They're down in Florida from January till the beginning of April now. So I, I think they've reached Snowboarding. the point of, yep. They, if they've reached the point of, uh, you know, we love you, but we'll see you in four months. I, um, I could totally see myself being a snowbird someday. I lived in Florida for five years, 2016, before moving back here for good in, uh, 2021. It's just, well, if you go during that time, it's really cool. But, you know, weather is weather no matter where you live. And Florida right. in the summer is just it's insufferably hot, humid. Not even just hot. It's humid. It's hot. And it rains literally all the time. They don't tell you how much it rains in Florida during uh, during that summer season. I just never seen anything like it in my life. I did all this reading up on Florida. I thought I knew everything there would be to know about the state until I got down there. And I realized how much it rained for like six months, but then it doesn't rain for five months. You know what I mean? It goes literally five months with, uh, with no rain. Love to be a snowbird though, man. Your parents got uh, the right idea. Let me ask you this too, PK, before we get going, what are, uh, with the podcasts, you know, like what's the approach for Buffalo sports collective? Cause again, there's a lot of people who are watching and listening who maybe they haven't even had a chance to, to listen to your podcast. And I should also point out too, this isn't just PK's podcast, your partner, Phil, really good dynamic between the two of you guys. Like, 
Like, what's your approach when you're covering Buffalo sports? Is it like a little more like down the middle? Is it more a little bit from a fan perspective, like on the fan side? There's a lot of podcasts out there that are kind of like that. Or do you guys get critical on the teams when they're warranted? And not that there's any right or wrong way to approach how you guys cover sports. I'm just saying, you know, every podcast is a little different. Some are big time fans doing podcasts. Some try to keep it a little more objective, at least when they're behind the microphone. Like what's, what's the, uh, what's the approach that, that you and Phil generally have when you do your show? I mean, I, I think you can be critical when you need to be, you don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, bad mouth a player because of their personality or anything like that. It's, it's more about the play on the field or the ice or whatever is where you're going to want to get critical. You don't never try to attack them personally or any of that kind of stuff. I think, what I try to do, and it's a little bit difficult being a fan my entire life. When sure. I get behind the mic, I'm trying to be unbiased, as difficult Same. as that is. I mean, even just touching on the bandits, before the season started, we were picking who we thought was going to make the finals from the West and the East. I probably got some hate. I thought the Toronto Rock were going to beat Buffalo and make it to the finals. That was just an unbiased opinion on what they did in the offseason. So I try to take off that fan hat, even though I'm wearing a Sabres hat now, and try to be more objective to it and be more critical when you have to be without going over the top and just, you know, I guess when some of the digs comments we got in the last two weeks where it's, hey, didn't show up for one practice, ship him out of town. I try not to overreact, but I try not to underreact as well. I try to like find the line there thread that needle and it's not always easy to do that because if you are if you're complimentary to a point where then some fans aren't gonna you know at least some anyway they won't take you serious you're just gonna think you're two fanboys who who, you know or want to be broadcasters and get on the mic and you do nothing but compliment the teams and you're doing it for likes and you're doing it for follows then on the other end there, there's some people out there, so some content where they're like overly critical of the teams that they cover to a point where it seems like you're doing that for attention. You want to be like a shock jock, you know what I mean? You want to, you're trying to incite reactions. We see a lot of that on a lot of these national sports shows where they just have these crazy, you know, we live in a hot take world now, PK, and it's not even so much talking about teams anymore as much as it is as who can come up with the, you know, the most lava take to get people talking and clicking on your your website or click and play on the podcast or the vidcast or whatever to get people talking. You know, it's, it could be, it sounds easy in theory, but sometimes it could be a little tough to call down the middle because you're, you're kind of, it's almost like if you're, you know, if you're talking politically here, you're, you're not on the left, you're not on the right, you're down the middle. Well, if you're in the middle, in, in theory, it sounds great, but reality is the left hates you, the right hates you, you know what I'm saying? Because you're not taking maybe you're not taking as much of a stand as you're just trying to be objective with things. It can be more harder than it seems. I think. Yeah. My one friend, she's actually going to be joining a different podcast, kind of like with her work that she does. She owns a flower farm and does her own business there. She's joining on a podcast and she did one, I think a week or two ago. And she just goes, I don't know how you just stand behind a mic and just talk and talk and talk. I went, as long as you're passionate about something and you're being true to yourself, it's going to be nice and easy for you. If you're trying to be a character behind the mic and trying to, like you said, get those clicks and stuff like that, it's going to be hard to keep up with it. And it's not going to come off as authentic. As long as you're yourself behind the mic, the people that want to find you and want to like you, they'll find you. And then the people that don't, there's plenty of other content out there for you. Yeah, there definitely is, especially in this Buffalo market right now. But yeah, I'll put it in the show notes as well. We'll talk about it at the end too. Buffalo Sports Collective. Now, you guys are Wednesdays for the time being, correct? Wednesdays until probably September when Bills and Sabres start kicking off again. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just dive into actually a little bit of Bills talk right now. I don't want to revisit the entire Stephon Diggs not showing up for Tuesday's day one of minicamp. Ended up being a two-day camp. He shows up on Wednesday. Obviously, he doesn't talk, but Josh talks. Sean talks kind of reverse a lot of what Sean said on Tuesday that's kind of been covered and, and, and beaten you know to death at this point so we won't spend a lot of time going back on that but what I did want to ask you when it comes to Stefan Diggs here what level of concern if any do you have about him going like in the training camp is this going to be something where you think or hope or at least want him to maybe talk early in camp and, and let's clear the air get it over with so that maybe this isn't the predominant storyline 
throughout camp. And of course, beyond training camp, maybe going into the regular season. If the team happens to start slow, then it could be, you know, and he's not getting the ball. This could resurface rather quickly. Like, well, what are your thoughts when it comes to Stefan Diggs right now and all this? Yeah, I mean, even prior to OTAs, I was kind of just in the boat of, I thought it was just all smoke, all off-season stuff, trying to find content. And then, like you said, that Monday happened, and we, like you said, don't dive into it. I think my level of concern is like a 3.7 out of 10 right now. Okay. I mean, before OTAs, it was a zero. I, I didn't think it was any issue whatsoever. My main issue was, why did this happen in June? What happened between when the season ended up until OTAs? that nothing was talked about. At least it appeared that way that nothing was sorted out till then. They had to wait until that day. I, I I think I mentioned on the show, I'm not trying to figure out which side is wrong, which side is right. I'm sure, sure. there's there's stuff that Diggs was bringing up that, hey, he might have had issues with the offense and how the offense was being run or the, the, the coaching staff. There might have been issues with something with the coaching side for Diggs not showing up or whatever it was. I think – McDermott kind of handled that situation horribly. It could have been completely blown over if he would have mm-hmm. just said, hey, we sent him home, disagreements or whatever it was. But, I mean, it, it was just weird seeing the the fans just come down on him so quickly. I know there's it was a minority of it, but, I mean, the guy's been here for three years, 49 games. He's already eighth in receiving yards. He's probably going to be fifth by the year's end. He's sixth in receiving touchdowns, fifth in receptions. He had – like the three best receiving years so far ever ever. Yeah. For this team, I think, I think moving forward, I don't see much of an issue just because he was there the next day and it wasn't unusual for McDermott to cancel that third practice. He's done it in the past. So I don't think you can read anything into that. It's just, I'm just a little concerned because that it took that long to have that conversation. It appears I'm a little worried that it might not have been concluded then and it's going to go dark until training camps pick back up. And in that time, there's a lot of downtime right now where people are going to be thinking and more questions and stuff are going to go in people's heads like digs and the, the coaching staff. Like you said, I don't know the whole issue with it. It's just a little concerning that it took that long to have that conversation. And I have no idea if it was fully resolved by then. Follow-up question here, actually kind of a two-part question. Number one, are you a little bit annoyed maybe that he didn't speak? Like you feel like maybe if he would have spoken out, then maybe we would have different narratives going on right now. And again, this is the, there's not much going on until training camp starts, but you know this is all they're going to want to know about when training camp starts. I'm talking about the media. And to that point also, are you a little bit bothered by it just seems like endless speculation on what exactly is going on. And there's people reporting it with sources and insider this and that. I'll tell you, I'm not just saying it because he, he's a friend of mine, a friend of the show, whatever. But when Tim Graham reports, he's, when he admits I'm on the show, and I mean, word for word, I'm, I mean, I'm only slightly paraphrasing. He's saying he doesn't know what is going on with Stefan Diggs. He doesn't want to form an opinion when he doesn't know. But the one thing he does know from a source is that his issue is not with Ken Dorsey. But then we hear Mike Lombardi talking about his issues with the play call and the coaching and this and that. It, you know, there's reports that him and Josh have some beef going on right now. And again, just endless speculation. Like, does that get under your skin a little bit? Yeah, I have tend to learn not just from doing this podcast for the last two years, but a little bit before that, you want to trust the people that are in the hometown rather than the big analyst all over the world, because sure. the the hometown journalists are clued in on what's going on for uh, to talk back on. Should Diggs have talked? He was a captain last year, right? He was voted yeah. captain. I feel like he should have at least gotten behind the mic. I'm not saying he owes it to anybody to speak to the media. It's, completely his opinion. But if you wanted all this stuff to kind of get shot down and toned down, I mean, you could have just said a couple words like, Hey, we had some, we, it was, would have been very simple. We all want to win here. Sometimes when a team's this good, we have difference of opinions on how we can reach that end goal. That's all it was. We, we kind of cleared, cleared the air. We got it out of the air. I appreciate being in an organization that is willing to hear my side of it. I am willing to hear their side of it. We reached an understanding and 
we're ready to move on and move towards the goal of winning a Super Bowl. So I think him speaking on that Wednesday would have cleared up a lot of air, but it's also the same side of it where he doesn't really owe it to anybody to talk about this kind of situation. If you want to keep it in-house, in-house. But I mean, you can also look back to 13 seconds where the whole organization is just tight lip zip. We don't owe you anything. It's kind of going along those lines as well, just trying to keep everything in house. And then you just get speculation after speculation after speculation where you don't actually know what's going on. And it allows people around the sports universe to just come up with their own opinion. Like, I've seen some weird ones out there. Sure. Like, uh, I, I don't even want to speculate on it, but I've seen some weird ones out there where it just doesn't make any sense. Now, look, he, he did show up to minicamp day two. Right. We got to remember that, you know, and at least with the clips that we saw, he looked playful. He looked like Stefan Diggs. He was um, having interaction with Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, lots of positive things to take away, but him not speaking. And then again, Sean McDermott just, it was a bad week for Sean. It, it just really was. Whether he was advised to say something, whether he took about himself, what he said on day one about being very concerned became the story and then kind of walking it back as much as he did on day two and making it sound like it wasn't a big deal. This is why it would be, just be real nice day one in camp. And I agree with you. It's not this step that Stefan owes it to the, to the team, to fans, to anybody for that matter, to get up there. But being a captain, you know, it's an opportunity to just make it a non-story come first day of camp after everybody reports, just get it over it, just squash it right there. I will say, you know, we're talking about speculation and all these theories. I will say, if there is one thing about this that does concern me, is that if you take away injuries, because you could go down the line, 32 teams in the NFL, injuries is always going to be the thing that could bring you down more than anything else. Aside from that, you can make a very fair case that this, if this lingers with Stefan and this is a real problem and he does have real beef with the coaches, or if he does have some kind of rift going on with Josh Allen for whatever reason. And again, that's all speculation. But if it does turn out to be that's the case, and this lingers into the season, this could be a distraction. This could you know, screw up the chemistry on the field, potentially the locker room, that this could be something potentially, hopefully not, but potentially this could be something that brings this team down. Again, not yeah. counting yeah. injuries, PK. This could be that thing that's most worrisome to me, not counting injuries. Yeah, because I know a lot of people are fans of Gabe Davis and think that that ankle injury that he had last year was hindering him and he's ready to take that next step and be that true number two. Mm -hmm. There isn't another true number one on this offense whatsoever. No. The people that were saying ship digs out, he's a drama queen, you know, he's not worth being on this team. They never, if you listen to them, they never give another option of who's going to replace Stefan Diggs. It's similar to like when they were uh, say Ryan Miller was still in net. They wanted to ship Ryan Miller. Out. Okay. What's the option that you're going to replace right. him with? That's going to not, somebody's got to step up into that role. So like you said, if that does carry over into the season, there's not another Stefan nope. Diggs that's coming along and has that same chemistry with Josh Allen. The season's in big jeopardy. If that does continue to linger. And that's my biggest concern was, it took this long to have that conversation. What if it wasn't completed or something else is popping up? I mean, it, it's, that's the biggest thing. It's not this play on the field. It's not anything like that. It's just where is the, I mean, Josh even said the communication is just lacking. We got to have better communication, all that kind of stuff. It's that's my biggest worry moving into training camp. It's just it, what's going on there. You bring up a great point. You, you have Stefan on the field and the bills are one of the more formidable pass catching units in the NFL. You take them out of the equation and you're looking at Gabe Davis and Trent Sherfield as your top two receivers. Maybe Deontay Hardy. I, you know, I don't know. It's just uh that's nowhere near as formidable. So a happy Stefan Diggs for whatever, whatever it is gonna take. And you know, just why it's just how wide receivers are. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of wide receivers are like this. You know, they're the bet a lot of the best ones are greedy. They are selfish to an extent and they want the football. You look at his stats, and you ran down a lot of his career stats, so I'm not going to you know, go through all those again, but he had 154 targets last year. I think he's the second most targeted guy in the league since coming to Buffalo. Um, I guess it's concerning to me when you look, like even the Bengals game now, the lack of success, of course, Stefan's going to blow up. He wants to win. They all want to win. 
He had 10 targets, but only four catches. You look at his targets as the season wore down and the, and the targets did decrease. Um, 10, 9, then 10, then only two, but that was the Bears game. It didn't mean nothing. But then 9, 5, 9. Before that, he was getting 15, 12, 10 targets a game regularly. So Ken Dorsey is going to have to find a way to get him uh, the football more, which I would make an argument that after Stefan, non-injury concern, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it might be just because I like this roster a lot. I really do. I think it, it, it's coaching, whether it's McDermott taking over the play calling on the defense or especially on the offensive side, Ken Dorsey finding a way for this offense to be more physical because they're going to need to be at times. And that's I think that's why they went on and draft a big guard and get Murray, Damian Harris, two bigger backs. So you're going to want to be physical. You want to run the ball more effectively. But again, you you, you got to get your boys touches or it could be a problem. So there's a lot on Ken Dorsey this year as well. Yeah, I couldn't believe. I mean, I know nothing about play design. I mean, I'm just a fan watching it and then trying to break down whatever I can. When I'm seeing that Stefan Diggs is not getting targeted in a whole first half, I, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I understand his frustration with it where, yes, you get 154 targets, but there's some games where he doesn't even get looked his way in a whole first half. How are you ignoring your best weapon on offense that's not Josh Allen? It doesn't make any sense. I'm hoping that... Dorsey in going into his second year kind of sees the error of his ways prior year. And I know they were some of the best offense in the, and that's all I keep hearing is they were one of the best offenses, but a lot of that happened in the front end of the season. What happened down the stretch where it's kind of gotten worse and kind of gotten a little bit stale where yes, their numbers still look good, but it was very inflated to begin with. So I'm hoping that he sees that and goes, okay, we got to feed digs a little bit more. Even if we space it out throughout the entire season, we got to feed the best player on the field. That's not Josh Allen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back with PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. By the way, one or two quick cameos if you're listening on the audio side from uh, the dogs. I call it the Chris Baker effect. I told you this, I think, before. Whenever I have Chris Baker on the show, he's got dogs, and you hear them a lot. But we only heard your dogs once or twice, so hopefully they'll be able to pick it up a little bit and be a little bit louder uh, the second half of this show. Anyway, all right, so actual news on Friday. Um, the Bills announced an extension for both head coach Sean McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean, both are extended all the way through the 2027 season. Now, this was, I mean, 
you know, you talked about PK a little bit of uh, some reaction from fans when it came to Stefan Diggs, you know, trade him, get him out of town, this and that, blah, 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 blah. Pretty mixed bag of a reaction from uh, Bills fans to a little bit surprising to an extent to me that a lot of fans were not happy about this extension. I don't, they're just, for whatever reason, they're not sold on Shaw and they're maybe to a lesser extent, not, not sold on Brandon. I think it's more Shaw than it is uh, Brandon at this point. But anyway, what was your reaction? And by the way, Ian Rappaport reported, you know, a lot of people want to say this, well, this wasn't a news dump because generally speaking, a lot of times Friday, they'll dump news on you. And that's why I call it a Friday news dump. If Ian Rappaport's to be believed anyway, he said these contracts have been done for quite some time. So they did drop it on Friday. So then it like is a legitimate news dump there. But anyway, first and foremost, let me get your reaction. They're both locked up now through 2027. Yeah, I mean, it's not really surprising based on all the comments from the organization and how much they love these two guys. I, I think most of my comments here are going to be mostly about Sean McDermott and a lot less about Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern with the extensions are – it, it kind of what my fear was to begin with when they took over the Buffalo Sabres is are they going to become too complacent in the success they've been having? I think Sean and Brandon are incredible in the roles. So this is not going to be shots at them whatsoever. I think what they have been able to do with this organization, they're top five, top seven in this entire league, the turnaround they did with this whole organization, not just mm-hmm. on the field, but the respect they have around the league now is hats off to them. What, they were able to do after this the drought that this Buffalo Bills organization had. But for me, at what point is playoffs and division titles not enough? And I, I sure. understand that only one team can win it out of the 32 teams in the whole league. But how many other teams in this league have had a head coach and a GM tandem go six years and not reach the Super Bowl? I mean, I look through it. Yes, he's had winning seasons every year except Josh Allen's rookie year, but he's four and five in the playoffs. The head coaches that have been hired before him, Bill Belichick, he's been a 9-1-5. Mike Tomlin, he's been a 2-1-1. Harborough with uh, Baltimore, he's been a 1-1-1. Pete Carroll, 2-1-1. Andy Reid, 3-1-2. And Sean McVay hired the same year, been a 2-1-1. So Sean McDermott is the only coach there that has been in the the tier there that has yet to reach the Super Bowl. So for me, yes, he has his flaws where, you know, 13 seconds, using his timeouts weirdly sometimes where the defense is not set up, his mm-hmm. challenges. I think he's still horrible at trying to figure out if he should throw his challenge flag. He, I think he's a little too conservative at the time. I have no issues with him being the kind of coach he is. I think he's an excellent head coach. He's a great leader of men. Everybody in that locker room seems to absolutely love him. My main issue, though, is are, are is the organization who was losing for, what, 17 straight seasons okay with just making the playoffs every year and winning division titles every year and kind of, hey, if we win a Super Bowl, that's an added bonus. I think everybody in that organization really, really wants to win a Super Bowl. That's not downplaying that whatsoever, but I'm a little concerned that they're complacent with the success they've been having. And it, it I, I'm not saying he can't get over that hump, it's just the the numbers for the, the the coaches that have been before him. And I mean, six years between head coach and GM without even making a Super Bowl, it's a little concerning. Um, you bring up a lot of great points. One in particular, Tyler Dunn has hammered his home on this show and also, you know, on his on his own show as well. That the the goalpost for the Buffalo Bills is time to move it. You know, we, we spend as fans because of 17 years, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. We, we put too much on the regular season, whether it's the success of the head coach, whether it's the success of certain players, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was, was a guy. And I remember Tyler talked about him not too long ago, how great he played in the regular season and disappeared in the playoffs. Um, Ed Oliver, same thing. You know, not, not even great in the regular season, certainly had his moments in the regular season, but he was a disappearing act in the playoffs. A lot of these guys were, I mean, go on and on and on. The point was we, we, we put too much value on the regular season and not enough on the playoffs. And maybe that's just because of having a 17 year losing mentality. It's maybe it's hard to shake off. 
it's good and bad. Um, I'm a little confused about why they needed to extend them. I, I believe that they still both had three years left on their deal before getting another, I think, two years tacked out. I, I could be wrong, but I think that both contracts ran through 2025. I could be wrong. But anyway, I saw this in the Buffalo News. They, they pointed out, so I got to make sure I give them credit. From Marv Levy to Sean McDermott, the head coaching tenures here were three years, three, two, three, three, two, and one. So there's been no continuity with the coach. Um, you look at Sean McDermott's record, 13 and three last year. And I'll tell you, I just talked, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I just told you that we put too much on the regular season and not enough on the playoffs. Last year kind of was an exception though. To go 13 and three through all the crazy injuries they had last year and what happened in DeMar and the weather and having to go play neutral game, you know, games that were supposed to be in Buffalo and you don't even play them. Just so many crazy things happening in Buffalo. To go 13 and three, I think Sean McDermott deserves a hell of a lot of credit. In my mind last year, if I would have had a ballot and I would have cast it for NFL coach of the year before the playoffs, like if this was regular season only and I had to, you know, to uh, to get my ballot in before the playoffs even started, he was going to be right near the top for me. Okay, I thought he was really good last year. They've had two 13-win seasons in the last three years. And again, I'm being a hypocrite here telling you all the stuff that I just uh, – you know, 62 and 35 in the regular season, 639 winning percentage. These are great numbers, but the downside, plain and simple, maybe the two worst coach games of Sean McDermott's career have been the last two playoff losses. The 13 seconds, which was just utterly inexcusable. And I know there's a lot of controversy. Some people are saying McDermott was responsible for those last two play calls in the last 13 seconds, whether he was or whether he wasn't. What we do know that's not even debatable is he called timeout before both plays. And he had to, if he didn't like something, he had an opportunity to change it and he didn't. So to me, he's responsible for that. So he blew the Kansas city game flat out. And then last year, look, I know all the stuff they had going against them. I, I get it. They were tired. The players talked about it. They were just drained. They weren't ready to play. I don't know. And maybe and it's easier said than done to get a team that's just spent ready to play, but they were not ready to play against the Bengals last year. To me, to some extent, you got to put that on the coach. So that's two playoff losses. You can even argue that the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago was, I don't think they were ready to beat Kansas City that year anyway, but they didn't go for it. They played a very conservative kind of game against the Chiefs and that blew up in their face. So anyway, my point is his worst coaching to date has been in the playoffs. And he's also, I, I feel like he's developed maybe not so much externally, but internally uh, a kind of a reputation of being a hard coach to work with between Brian Dable, between Leslie Frazier, who knows what went on with that. Chad Hall takes a lateral job to go to a, somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of factors going on right now. When That's the downside of Sean McDermott. So I don't know, man, it's a, it's a real mixed bag. And I can understand whatever your reaction is, not mine or yours, just any fan right now, as long as it's not too crazy extreme, I kind of feel like you're not wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean, it... it it almost feels a bit weird being in the position you're in where it's, hey, do you feel too cocky? Are you feeling like a bit arrogant by saying, hey, we want a Super Bowl, we deserve a Super Bowl and this kind of thing. But like you said, it's time to move the goalposts. It's time to look at bigger and better things than just having a great regular season and a, a making a division title. It's, it's when you have Josh Allen under center, every year should be Super Bowl or bust just because of how good he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think with the pieces they're there, I think this this team should be a Super Bowl winning team very soon. I mean, I think 13 seconds should have happened. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't I don't know your recording times, but we were had to record the night after 13 seconds. Like we started rolling maybe 30 seconds after that ended. Oh, and it, it it was horrible. It was one of our worst shows ever because you're just so down. But like you said, he, whether he made those play calls or not, he made those timeouts and could have adjusted anything he saw. And that still ended up in the same situation. So I still think he is an incredible head coach. This is no shot at him whatsoever. The things he's done in the regular season, like you said, the coaching job he put on last year, he probably should have won coach of the year just with everything that happened with DeMar, with the injuries, everything. But it's just, is he the guy that can get them over the hump? I, I hope he is because I think he's an incredible head coach and I think he's great for this team. It's just, it's a little worrisome with this long extension. I think 
to, to conclude on Sean, I think he deserves more time. You know what I mean? Before we say he's not the guy, he right. can't get us over the hump. I think there's still more time. I think he still should have more opportunity. That said, if you don't get past the divisional round this year, uh, and then, then I think we're looking at a problem where it's fair. Now, I, I, I think I saw a stat like people, a lot of people are already comparing him to Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer, he's got a lot more losing Sean does in the playoffs to get to where Marty was. But I think it's fair to start putting him in that category. That, that, that's a, that's a, a valid discussion if the Bills can't advance further than what they've done the last two years, given the state of this roster right now, which I think from top to bottom is as good as anybody uh, in the NFL. Now, on the other side, Brandon Bean, the GM, gets extended as well. Again, I think he gets criticized a lot less than Sean, and that's, you know, it's because you're getting the pieces in place. It's the coaches who, you know, get a lot of too much praise or, or too much criticism. Obviously, Brandon Bean's done a lot of good things. He moved up for Josh Allen. He he took him and not Josh Rosen, because if it would have been up to me. By the way, would you have taken Rosen or Josh yep. Allen? Yeah, it was, it was Rosen. Yep. All right, so you see, so you're among the, the majority here. There's I a reason tough. I'm here. There's a reason I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, he he did. He kind of went against the grain a little bit. He wanted to move Josh Allen. That gets you a lot of points. He traded for Stefan Diggs. That gets you a lot of points. Now, it's easy to say, well, they could have had Justin Jefferson. Well, you don't know that they would have had Justin Jefferson. We don't know that. They might have taken Jalen Ragar. Then who the hell knows what happens with this team? So, he made a great trade for Stefan Diggs. I think he's had several solid free agent signings during his tenure year. A lot of good team-friendly deals for sure. Um, he's had some great day three picks too. Uh, Teron Johnson in the fourth round. Gabe Davis in the fourth round. Say what you want about Gabe. It's a fourth-round receiver. So if you put that as the bar, I think he's been pretty damn good, even despite last year. Dane Jackson in the seventh round. Christian Bedford in the sixth round. Looks like you know he, he's going to compete this summer, at least anyway, with Kyer for uh, that starting job. So he's done a lot of good things. Now, on the negative side, I do have to pull this up, though. PK, I would say the biggest criticism for me when it comes to Brandon so far during his tenure as Bills GM has not been great with the day two picks. Rounds two and three. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube side, I got it up on a graphic. I'll, I'll read them off. But quickly here, James Cook, Terrell Bernard, Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, Zach Moss, A.J. Epinesa, Dawson Knox, Singletary, Cody Ford, Harrison Phillips. Those are your day two picks under Brandon Bean. Uh, Knox, for the most part, I, I, he's a good player. He's ahead. It's still way too early to talk about Cook or maybe even Bernard for that matter. Spencer Brown is kind of trending towards not being a great pick. But then Cody Ford, uh, I am i don't know about you, but I'm ready to just pretty much declare A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. Those guys are what they are. Zach Moss, nothing special whatsoever. Not, day, not great uh, day two drafting. Uh, by Brandon Bean. What's your overall thoughts on him being tied together now with Sean and both of them getting the extension? Yeah, I think also if you want to look at the wide receiver room last year as well, the the lack of weapons he added, I, I guess, I mean, you were kind of expecting Gabe Davis to take that next role. Sure. But I, I think you were also expecting Isaiah McKenzie to step up as well. So I think you can also criticize him for that, where it, what Agreed. was in the, the wide receiver room. But for the day two picks, he likes taking running backs, right? I mean, there are three Bernard. running backs on that list. I, it's It seemed like, I mean, if you want to look at Bernard, that seems like a luxury pick. If you want to talk about, uh, I mean, um, Harrison Phillips, I think he outplayed and he he probably would have gotten a second contract with Buffalo, but I mean, sure. Minnesota just ponied up for it. He definitely is struggling day two picks. And he seems like one of those ones that, I mean, you can see it in free agency too. I mean, he finds the scrap pieces brings them here on one-year deals, then they skyrocket in value and leave and take another deal. I mean, you, you kind of saw that with Jordan Phillips a couple of years ago. Skyrockets his value, goes out and signs with, uh, I, I can't even remember who, Arizona, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, I think you pointed out a great example. The second round there and third round, day two picks, he's got to improve on. He's, he's now in the rounds four through seven. You're finding diamonds in the rough there. But at, at rounds two and three, where you should, I, I can't remember the breakdown. First rounds, you want starters. Second and third rounds, you want quality depth role pieces. And yeah. then fourth through seventh, it's a crap Take flyers on. Yeah, you exactly. take flyers on those guys. It's just, it, it, he hasn't nailed on enough second and third round picks yet. Agreed. I agree with that. I do think overall, I think he's done more to prove that he's in the top tier of GMs right now than, than yep. a lot of others around the league. Them consistently being good 
is a credit to him. Again, he's not on the field. He's not the one who was calling to prevent defense. It's always in a row in Kansas City at the end and just didn't have his squad. You know, they were just, they were done and they, and they weren't ready to play. That's not on your GM. I'm, uh, I'm happy with both of them. I don't know that they needed to get extensions. I guess this right. is where I arrive at. I, you could you could say both. I'm happy with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, but I still think they got a lot to prove, and I'm not positive that they needed to have an extension. Now, maybe it just was their last year. Sure. You don't want them being sitting ducks. I think the new stadium getting built, the timeline, this has a lot to do with that uh, as well. So uh, we'll see. So i got a couple of weeks here before uh, training camp kicks off. It's tough to come up with Bill's content this time of year, but to the, for better or worse, the Bills are giving us a lot of shit to talk about this right. entire offseason, which has been uh, pretty damn cool. Let's turn the corner real quick here with the Sabres. Again, news last week. You know, I was a little surprised. Maybe you're not, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this, but Zegmas Gergesen's resigns for one year, $2.5 million. I thought and you would know better than me. I'm not that much of a hockey guy, and I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that I am. But I will say this. I thought with the way he played, I thought that he kind of earned his... I thought he earned a look at free agency where maybe somebody would pony up for a multi-year deal. But he goes and he resigns with the Sabres and he doesn't even test free agency. Lance Zosowski to Buffalo News on the show last week, he says... Sometimes these players learn, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. He, I was a little surprised that he wasn't surprised. Were you surprised that this got done before July 1st? I was surprised with both. I, I think my dogs are actually chiming in and us. Yeah, yeah they, they like deciding. They, yeah, they, they, they like, like deciding. I was a bit not as for it. I thought you was, I thought once you got a poso, Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting them to bring back Gergensen whatsoever. I don't hate the deal, mostly because I think he adds value to the locker room. I think he was very, very bad on the penalty kill last year. But as far as like a leader in the locker room and a fourth liner goes, I think it's fine, especially since it's a one-year deal. It just seems like with the Oposo signing, with the Gergensen signing, with them wanting Tyson Jost back, mm -hmm. they look like they're trying to run it back with the four group and – I got so excited because you you were getting out of the contract that's six million dollars for Oposo, and I can understand them bringing him back. They want to get him to a thousand games. He's that captain of the team. That makes sense. I I was a bit shocked that they were bringing back both, but I it, that probably means Savoy's going back to juniors. That probably means they're slow rolling uh, Yuri Kulik. That probably means is. Uh, Rosique, your 13th forward, or is he going to be replacing Olafson if he's out the door? It's just, I got a bit excited when I saw all those, you know, bigger con if you want to call them bigger contracts coming off the books and seeing these young guys that were thriving in Rochester, possibly getting an opportunity. It kind of makes sense that they bring these guys back because they don't want to put all that responsibility and the, the pressure on those younger guys to step up into those roles, asking Quinn and JJ Paterka to step up and expecting Skinner, Tage, and Tuck to have the same kind of seasons. It's just, it seems like they're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of, hey, we were one of the top scoring teams last year. Guys were having career seasons. We're kind of expecting that to happen again, plus guys stepping up again. It's just, it's a little bit worrisome for me, just bringing back two, you know, guys that are destined to be fourth liners rather than kind of give more minutes to those younger guys that were thriving in Rochester. It's um, it's a little surprising to me as well that they brought both back. I, yeah. I also got two point five, so yeah, he's back three and a half million less than what his contract was last year. But yeah, to the point, both are still back. Both didn't even test free agency. So I will say this: when Kevin Adams said a couple of years ago he wants players that want to be yep. here, and I rolled my eyes. I'm like, what a crock of shit that is at the time. Basically, what you're saying is my team stinks, and if anyone, I just want guys who want to be here. Now that it feels like, you know, it's true because this team is, it, it certainly feels and it, it appears that they're on the come up. And these guys who are veterans who could probably go get a one or two year deal somewhere else with more established contenders. I feel like there was a spot somewhere in the NHL for Gergesen if he wanted to go to a better team, a, a team that's already established as a contender. But the fact that he wanted to stay here, the fact that obviously I post the captain wanted to stay here, I, I think that does speak positively to where this organization is headed and to Adam's words that guys that want to be here. Um, 
yeah, Kulik maybe is in and Olafson gets traded. Um, that seems like the more likely scenario. But aside from that, you're probably looking at a at a team right now that's at forward at least is, is going to run it back, which kind of leads to uh, well, two more things I suppose. Again, like I said, this is a big week. Potentially, it's a big week for the Sabers and the NHL as well. The draft is this week. Now, you know, hockey's not like football. You're not or, or basketball. You're not going to be a you know a first round pick and. Well, most of the time you're not anyway. You can just step right into the NHL. If you're Connor Bernard, you're going to, and, you know, a couple guys each year. But whoever the Sabres draft 13 is not going to really, it ain't going to do much to help them this year. But when it comes to the draft, what are you looking for specifically? And with this team, free agency starts on Saturday. So whether it's a free agent or very possibly a trade, which could happen during a draft as well. What do you think ultimately the Sabres do, if anything, to, to beyond what their roster looks like right now? I mean, if you're talking to my co-host, Phil, he'd say send every one of these picks out the door and bring in now, now talent. He hates the NFL draft or NHL draft. He absolutely hates it. He, he hates the second through seventh rounds. It's funny listening to him talk because you can rarely get him going. But if you bring up the NHL draft, you get him going nonstop. And it's I love poking the bear, but <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing if they if they stay at 13, which I'm guessing they're going to do because NHL rarely has any moves within like the top 15. Mm-hmm. I would assume they're gunning for the best defenseman on the board, but I think they're probably going to stay true to what similar what they did last year. They drafted three centermen with all three first round picks. If I were in the position, I'd move the pick and go get Owen Powers partner at like a Brett Pesci from Calgary, uh, uh, Carolina, who's out there right now. But Picks in the NHL, they're just valued so high right now. And I get it. They're, you're, you're kind of setting your future up for success by taking those players. I mean, you know, you got the three first round picks last year. But if you just load, you, you just loaded up last year. You you have a former first round pick in Rosine in Rochester. Your top three defensemen are here for years and years. to I know they still got to extend Darlene and power, but it sounds like everything's working towards them getting long term deals. Levi appears to be your goalie in, 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 for the future. You have to make playoffs next year. Why don't you use that 13th overall pick that will not be here for what, two, three, four years? Yeah. And go get that partner that you've been missing. You're your blue line struggled so much last year. And that was one of the big reasons why they missed playoffs by a point is because you struggled so much. You're still looking for own powers partner. Why not use 13? Why not use Olafson, who was very close to the 30 goal scorer That's still coveted in this league. Pair those two together, go get own powers, defensive partner, and you're set for years and years and years to come on that blue line. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Brett Pesci specifically. Lance talked about him Last week, Gazelle. I, look, I'm not going to pretend that I know shit about the NHL draft. I don't. I know I don't the generational players come around. I know of them, of course. You know, and, and usually I know the top handful of prospects, which usually is because the Sabres are picking among a top hand, right. you know, handful top of picks. So I pay more attention than normal this year. Not so much. I've just heard from a lot of people that are hockey guys and girls that it's a loaded draft. That's what I keep hearing. Um, there was a Russian defenseman. I don't even know his name, but I, I've heard a lot of talk about him potentially being the pick. But to your point and what Lance said about Brett Pesci is if you can move Olofsson and some picks and some other capital, whatever it is, the reason why he thinks that he might be movable, he's with Carolina right now. Is I think he's only got one more year left, then he's a restricted free agent. So, you know, it's not like he's going to be long-term guy, but you, you get him and maybe you work on a deal long-term or you just figure it out on the fly. But you said it perfect. This is a team that should, the expectation now, should be making the playoffs. If you want to make the playoffs, you got to go out. And I think more than anything else, when you look at this roster, um, you got to go, you got to get yourself a top four defenseman. You have to. That's got to be priority number one, bar none. Uh, last Sabres question, too, because, you know, you, you talked about the, the potential long-term deals getting done soon. It's widely expected, I'll just leave it at that, that on July 1st, Darlene signing a long-term deal that'll pay him about 10 million a year. Power's a little bit more of a mystery, whether he wants to sign a long-term deal right now, or maybe he wants to sign a bridge deal, but one way or the other, they're going to sign him for multiple years. And that's going to get done as well this summer. The, the cap is being allocated mainly towards, you know, the guys that they have now keeping their core 
as much as they can anyway intact. And you got to having two young goalies with Devin Levi and UPL gives you cap flexibility, you know, because both guys are on cheap deals right now. Lance kind of alluded to this. I don't know if you agree that maybe you go out and you're you're trying to get a defenseman. It's going to come at the cost of, of, of spending significant, any kind of significant money on bringing another goalie. Your role with your two young guys, but the downside of that is if they struggle, you're, you're in a bad spot. What do you think? That's the the biggest question mark this offseason because UPL can't be sent down to Rochester. He's going to have to clear waivers, and we all know a young goaltender that has that right. promise, that show the promise in what I think it was January, he had that amazing stretch, he's going to get claimed. And it sounded like Granado and Kevin Adams, rightfully so, don't want to carry three goaltenders on this roster. They were carrying four last year, which is ungodly unbelievable that they were doing this. <laughs> For me, it's I, I, I think I have seen, and there are other people in hockey well more knowledgeable than me. I, I just like watching the sport and giving my opinions on it. I have seen enough of UPL to know that I don't think he can be a number one goaltender. If he can for some other team, that's great. Cause I think you have yours in Devin Levi. I think he's the destined number one. I think in the seven game stretch last year, he showed he can be that number one goaltender. They, the organization showed that he can be because they gave him all those important games. They were still in it and they were still giving, giving it to him. I am in favor of shipping UPL out the door and bringing in a guy. I don't know if Varlamov is leaving Islanders. I've heard rumors that he's, it, it's very unlikely. So people don't even talk, but rant, uh, Ranta, I, I, I would bring him in. You're not looking for a guy that will shoulder the load of 50 or 60 games. You're just trying to bring in a guy that if Devin Levi does struggle, can step in and play those 45 to 50 games that you need if if Devin Levi is struggling, because last year, if you had Levi all season, I think you're talking about a team that was in the playoffs. It's just the 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 biggest thing: fix the defense, and the goaltender looks a bit better because they were giving up such bad opportunities, and the goaltender was getting burned so many times. But I I personally can't go into this season with UPL and Levi as my tandem, and then Comrie and Rochester waiting in the wings in case somebody gets hurt. That's it's terrifying to me no matter what they do on the defensive end if that's your tandem of upl and levi and you have to rely on upl for 30 to 40 games i'm i'm terrified i've seen enough i don't think he can be a number one goaltender but if he can let him be someone let him go take number one job from somebody else well i'll tell you what unlike the buffalo bills where it's probably going to be weeks before we start to get any real funny or not funny fun story maybe funny storylines to be able to sink our teeth into it would be shocking a week from now if there's not something significant to talk about that has developed with the Sabres over the next week, whether it is whoever their draft pick is or what they might do at goaltender or maybe a trade that they make or maybe a notable free agent signing. I don't know, but like I said, between the draft and free agency and a potential for a trade come July 1st there's, or even Wednesday night, there's just a lot to potentially uh, be able to talk about next week. All right, so I was going to say that's going to do it, but before we get out of here, when I had PK on, like I said at the beginning, we spent a few minutes just kind of chit-chatting a little bit. I'm going to do this, and we're going we're gonna to call it Personally PK. And, and basically, I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions each time I have you on and uh, just give, like I said, fans an opportunity to know a little bit more about you beyond just what, you know, Bills and Sabres stuff we talk about on this show or what you and Phil talk about on, on Buffalo Sports Collectives. Things that I, I don't know either because – Again, the only times I've actually talked to you has been on this era on the podcast twice now. So kind of cool for me as well. But I got three questions I want to ask you. Number one, you got a major college team that you root for, whether it's football, you know, uh, basketball, baseball, you got different teams. What, what's your college squads? I mean, I don't really follow college sports much other than like the little bit of scouting we do or then the NCAA tournament that comes up. Mm -hmm. Growing up, though, and I, I have no idea why, because I hate all Boston sports teams. I was a big Boston College basketball fan from like yeah. those 2004 to 2009 years. I Like I said, I don't know why Jared Dudley, Sean Marshall, uh, Reggie Jackson, Sean Williams, Craig, Craig Smith, Tyrese Rice. That team was so loaded, and I remember playing those 
NCAA college basketball games against my brother and just taking Boston College and just going to the tournament every single year. I love the team. I don't know why. I haven't followed them <laughs> since high school. But, I mean, growing up, that was my team. But, I mean, I still root for the local teams like St. Bonaventure, uh, Niagara. UB is always going to have a special place in my heart because my cousin actually played quarterback for them, Jim Oliverio, back in the late 50s, 1958. He was on that UB team that made the College Bowl. Oh, that wow. sat out because their two black players were not allowed yeah. to be there. I mean, they, wow. they just got introdu- introduced to the greater Buffalo sports hall of fame in 2001 yeah. and ESPN actually did a story on them as well. So, I mean, always the local teams, but I mean, it was, it was mostly Boston college when I was, you know, younger and growing up through that year, those years. That, that That's really cool. I, I'm a Notre Dame football fan. Now to this day, I went last year for the first time to Notre Dame to go to a game. They played Marshall, their home opener, and they lost. Completely disgraceful. And it was like 90,000 degrees out in the stadium. The day was terrible. But the experience was fun. We're going to kind of make it an annual visit now to uh, to go to Notre Dame. Growing up as a kid, I don't follow college basketball anymore. I try to get in the tournament a little bit just because of brackets. You know, it's it's fun, I guess, to gamble a little bit on the the tournament. But when I was a kid, I was obsessed with – now, this is going to show how much older I am than you. But uh, when I was a kid – I was obsessed with college basketball and more specifically, especially the Big East um, in the 80s. I'm talking about Georgetown and St. John's and Syracuse, Boston colleges, all the teams in the Big East, Villanova. It was just so much fun. So I was completely obsessed with all just Big East college basketball uh, when I was a kid. When it comes to the Bills and the Sabres, who are your favorite? Uh, all, who's your favorite all time Buffalo Bill and your favorite all time Buffalo Sabre? For the Bills, this one's tough. Uh, I don't think I, growing up I really ever had a true favorite player, and then I understand that's weird. I loved Fred Jackson. Lee Evans, I, I, it was always somebody that I drew to. I, I fell for the legend of Kiko. I was one of those. I have a Kiko Alonso jersey in my, in my really? closet right now. I fell for it. Aaron Schobel, I don't think it's enough love. Currently, I think it's Matt Milano. I mean, I got his jersey, and then I remembered, oh, crap he's he's a free agent coming up and then he signed that deal right before an episode happened i was like thank god because my jersey just came in the mail today but i think if i had to pick for the bills roscoe parish i think he was ahead of his time he was an electric running uh, punt returner i mean he was still a a a good wide receiver but i think he was just a bit ahead of his time if he was playing now he'd be unbelievable sure i think if you had to put a gun to my head i would pick roscoe parish for the buffalo bills all right what about the sabers Sabres, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, this one's kind of easy and it's, I get it. Everybody's favorite player is this, but Dominic Ashick growing up, I think I saw the story on the last one. I would pretended to be Dominic Ashick in my basement, but I mean, through the years, once Hashik left, it was JP Dumas. It was Chris Gratton. If you want to believe that one, it was Drew Stafford, Stu Barnes, Yogan Hesh. I, I think Drew Stafford after Hash or Hashik was my favorite one, and my dad still makes fun of me because I thought Drew Stafford was going to be the next coming of like a a young Danny Breer coming up through the system. I got like three or four of his autographs. I got three or four of his jerseys, and then it kind of just floundered, and he never panned out to be the draft pick he wanted. But I, I think it was Hashik or Stafford growing up. For me, it was worth the price of admission to watch Alexander McGillney play. Any yep. given shift, he would just explode. He was just so much fun to watch. Um, and, and, and of course, Pat LaFontaine too. Bill side, Daryl Talley, my guy, man, again, show my age here going back a little further, but, um, just a hard nosed leader to this day. Great person, a great interview. Just, he was the heart and soul of the Buffalo Bills during the Super Bowl era. One of the most underrated players, not just in Buffalo, but in the entire NFL, man, love Daryl Talley so much. All right. Last question here. A concert you'd pay good money to go see in 2023. If there is anyone that you would pay good money to go see in 2023. My wife makes fun of me all the time for my music takes because I don't have like a true favorite artist. I, 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 you're going to learn. I'm a weird guy. Like I don't really have. <laughs> I think this is why my wife and I get along so well because she has such a, like she wants this. She's got like cravings and stuff for food. I'm like, I'll just have pizza. I don't have those kind of cravings. So you're, you're going to learn about, I, I got weird takes and stuff like that, but as <laughs> I, growing up in a house of oldies and country music, I, that's kind of what I grew up on. Cause that's what my dad, and my mom listened to, mm-hmm. but my dad was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and still okay. is. 
I went to one of his concerts. It was the best concert I've ever been to in my entire life. He plays for like two and a half straight hours. And then he comes on and does another half an hour of an encore. I think if I were to pay good money, even though a lot of the E street band has passed away, it would be Bruce Springsteen and the E street band would, I would pay a decent amount of money to go to it. And uh, I don't think he's still trail. I think he still has what New York city or Vegas or something like my dad bought a ticket and then had to sell it because my mom found out how much it was worth. And uh, he had to sell it because it was way too much, <laughs> but I think it, I think it would be Bruce Springsteen if I was going to have to pick one. It's really hard to argue against that one. I, you know, if I would ask you this last year and I would have my own answer. I'm not a big country music fan, but I'll tell you what, I went to Garth Brooks at the stadium last year when he was here. What a show he puts on. You don't even got to like country music to just enjoy the artistry, the performance factor that he has. It's second to none. Um, but yeah, Bruce Springsteen would be a great one too. I've never seen him and that, that would definitely be worth uh, the money for sure. All right, it's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you follow PK on Twitter at PK underscore BSC. Check out the Buffalo Sports Collective. For now on Wednesdays, I will drop a link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks, buddy, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, appreciate it, Pat. Always, always fun talking with you. All right, guys, I'll be back with a brand new episode. Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings joins me tomorrow. Talk to you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.